Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for uh, that reckless love demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ, Lord, who brought love that we didn't earn or we didn't deserve. So, Father, be with us now as we encounter Christ in your word. Speak to our hearts uh, and fill us with all and affection and gratitude uh, for what you've done. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, during the uh, Lenten season, um, what I hope to do is to take a break uh, from our look at Abraham. Originally, I wanted to finish Abraham before Lent, but I just got too lost in the weeds with the story. So I think after Lent, we'll pick up uh, with Abraham. But what I want to do, at least for this Lenten season, is uh, to take this time to really look, of course, at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. But what I want to do is I want to look through uh, the eyes of Simon Peter, As we look at the life of Jesus Christ, of course, Simon Peter was one of uh, Jesus' closest disciples, one of his closest followers, and he gives us a unique perspective on the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. But having having come off a series uh, looking at Abraham and then looking to Peter, I I just couldn't help but notice how similar uh, the two characters were, at least how the scriptures uh, present them. Both Abraham and Peter uh, had incredible moments of faith, uh, despite what often their reason and their experiences told them. Uh, Both tended to be somewhat uh, impetuous men or impetuous uh, characters uh, who had a way uh, of powering through life like a bull in a china shop. You've heard that uh, term before. And yet God used both of them to do incredible things. Uh, God used Abraham to be the foundation on which the the Old Testament community uh, of faith was built. And of course, God used Simon Peter as well. Uh, to be the same foundation of the church that we read about uh, in the New Testament. But both of these characters, both Abraham and Peter, are incredibly instructive to us about what faith is really all about. One person uh, said this about Peter, and I thought this was good. Few characters in Scripture history are drawn for us more clearly or strongly than Peter's. And if you read his story, you'll see that, that he's dramatic, he's, he's colorful, uh, he's earnest, he's courageous, he's stubborn at times, he's arrogant, he's vigorous, he's impetuous, and for all those reasons and all those character traits, he's been one of my favorite characters in the New Testament scriptures. I've loved him, I've been able to relate to him, and the power is that Jesus loved him too, and that love changed his life. Uh, If you know me at all, you'll know one of my favorite uh, movies is a movie called Field of Dreams. It's the best baseball movie out there. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Uh, And one of the best uh, scenes in that movie is is when an old gristled character in the movie, a man named Moonlight Graham, uh, looked at a very young Kevin Costner, at least when this movie was made. And he said this, he said, we don't often recognize the most significant moments of our lives while they are happening. And I'm be willing to bet that if you asked or had an opportunity to ask an old Peter what the most significant day of his life was, I wouldn't be surprised if he said that this moment that we just read about was the most significant in his life. But he probably didn't recognize it when it was happening. When our story opens up, uh, Peter had had a tough day. 
And uh, at the start of this story, uh, his day had not held a whole lot of promise. promise. The the passage tells us that he was, uh, Simon Peter was coming in, uh, wrapping up a long and futile day of fishing uh, by the lake of Genesaret. And what we know about Peter was that he was an expert fisherman, but even expert fishermen have difficult days and difficult nights, and this was one of them. He had been out all night fishing, and he had caught nothing. The passage tells us that as he and his fishermen were cleaning their nets along the shore, uh, a crowd had formed on the shore around a man named Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know whether Peter knew about Jesus before this occasion, whether he had heard the stories that had begun to spread around the region of Galilee, but we do know that Jesus, at this point in his ministry, was growing in his fame and his popularity. Because of that, crowds who wanted to hear Jesus' teaching would often press all around him in overwhelming ways. And that's exactly what was happening in our passage here this morning. It was, it was, the crowd was so great that Jesus had to get in a boat and put out a little bit from the shore to use that boat as his pulpit for his teaching that day. And what the passage tells us is that, that after he was done teaching the crowds, he wanted to, to authenticate his teaching or communicate the authority with which he was saying these things. And so he gives Peter a very simple instruction. He says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now this instruction would have been or felt totally totally unreasonable to Peter in the moment in which it was given. Peter was a lifelong fisherman. This was his expertise. And Jesus was a carpenter. What did Jesus know about catching fish? What sort of expertise did he have to give this instruction? Peter also knew that this was a terrible time to catch fish. He knew that the best time to catch fish, at least in this lake, was during the evening hours, certainly not in the morning or during the day, and certainly not when a large crowd was being noisy on the shore. And Peter also was good at knowing the mind of a fish. He knew that the fish were smart, and he knew that the nets that he was using, these nets were made of linen. So the fish, during the day, had the light in order to see the nets and would swim around it and not get stuck in the nets. So this went against Peter's reason. It went against his expertise, his experience, and his intellect. And he even says to Jesus, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. We caught nothing in our efforts. Now, we don't know if this is the beginning of faith in Peter's life, but what we do know is that he chose to obey Christ's command in this moment despite every part of him believing the contrary. And friends, this is, this is often what faith requires us to do because faith recognizes the certainty of the word of God above all other certainties. You see, faith regularly calls us to act in ways that don't often feel very reasonable. 
Faith places its confidence in the rock-solid certainty of God. Faith places its trust in the Word of God, often over our own intellect, our experience, and our reason. And when we do that, when we place our faith in the certainty of God, when we have this kind of faith, then the miraculous often happens. The passage tells us that the catch, Peter's catch of fish, was so large that Peter had to call his fishermen friends in from the shore just to help bring the fish in. The nets were so full that they were beginning to tear under the weight of these fish, the sheer volume of the catch. And and this is no small catch. Uh, Most believe that these boats were 20 to 30 feet long and were filled to the brim to the point in which they were about to sink because of the great volume of this catch. And Peter is awestruck by what he has just seen. He immediately recognizes that this isn't a normal person that is standing in front of him. He immediately recognizes the true identity of the man who is standing in front of him. Jesus is no ordinary man. He is a miracle worker. And maybe even more than that, this man is God himself. You see, only God would have the unique power to command the forces of nature the way Jesus did in this story. Peter recognizes that he is in the presence of God himself. That truth hits him like a lightning bolt, and instantly he is filled with fear. Verse 8 But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Friends, this is another recognition of faith. Faith recognizes who Jesus is and who we are. It recognizes the true nature of things. Peter recognized that Jesus was different. He was no ordinary man. He wasn't just some simple carpenter who had a a side hustle as a religious teacher. This wasn't just some man who was getting lucky with his fishing advice. This was God who was standing before him. Uh, I've told this story before, but many of you know uh, that I've been coaching Little League Baseball uh, here in the neighborhood, the Roland Park Baseball League, for I think it's almost six years now I've been coaching. And uh, the, one, the one season that, that filled me with the most fear and trepidation was, I believe, the second season that I was coaching, and it was just t-ball kids, like five, six-year-old kids. But I learned uh, that a, a former Baltimore Oriole uh, a very good one, uh, had a kid in the league. And, and there was potential that this former Baltimore Orioles kid would be on my team. Now, you'd think that would excite me, but it didn't. In fact, I tried everything I could to make sure that this kid was not on my team and was on some other poor coach's team because I didn't want a former Baltimore Oriole in all of his greatness sitting on the sidelines critiquing my coaching skills to six- and seven-year-old kids. You see, what happened was I was fearful that my weaknesses as a coach 
would be exposed by the presence of greatness on the sidelines. So in the presence of greatness, my insecurities and frankly, my inabilities as a coach would be exposed. I think the same thing is happening in some ways in Peter's heart. Because Peter is recognizing greatness. But he's also recognizing who he is in light of this greatness. He recognizes that he is a sinner. He feels exposed before a great God. You see, Peter's pride in his experience, his expertise, all those things have disappeared. All of his pretense, all of it has been stripped away and he recognizes the holiness and power of God and is immediately aware palpably of his own insecurities, frailties, and ultimately his sinfulness. This may be the most honest moment ever in all of Peter's life. It is his literal come to Jesus moment when everything else has been stripped away. Uh, one year when I was in high school, uh, I was cast for a, bit, a, a pretty big part in the school play. And uh, don't be impressed by that. It was a really small school and I was just the best that they could get. Um, I was not a very good actor, um, but we did have a very good director in this play. And, and one of the things that she consistently had us do was what she called get into character. So anytime we had a performance, she would uh, pull us into a dark room and she would have us for a half hour just sit and imagine that we were the character that we were about to play on the stage. And I remember thinking it was a wonderful idea, but then when the play was over, it messed with my head a little bit because it was hard for me to kind of re-realize who I was and who I wasn't as a result of being in this play. And I've thought about that all this week uh, because last week at at one of our uh, adult formation classes, we looked at a quote from the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. And one of the things that Kierkegaard said is that all of us often treat life as if it was a play. We wear different masks and we wear them at different times and in different circumstances. We we like to hide behind those masks in fear that we will be exposed for who we truly are. And sometimes we can even get lost in the masks that we wear. But one of the things that he powerfully expresses in this quote is that one day there will be a day of reckoning. There will be, there will come a moment when, when the play ends and the masks all disappear and we have to come to terms truly with who we are and with who God is. And this is Peter's moment. This is Peter's reckoning. All the deceptions are gone. All the masks have been dropped. And Peter feels exposed before a God who is holy. And he is scared to death. And then Jesus gently comes to him and says, Peter, do not be afraid. Friends, this is a a disruptive but a most necessary step when it comes to the journey of faith. Because faith recognizes who Jesus truly is and who we truly are. It reckons with the true nature of reality. 
But lastly, or finally, what faith also recognizes is that what Jesus offers is far more valuable than anything else. Look at verse 10, at least the second half. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. As I've read this this week, I think I've come to the conclusion that this actually may be the most unreasonable thing that Peter does in this story and probably in all of his life, at least speaking from an earthly perspective. Because when you think about it, Peter has just had the most successful catch of his entire life. Two boats, 20 to 30 feet long, have been filled to the brim with fish. In many ways, Peter's stock has just doubled overnight. All, the, all the, the, the uncertainty of the fishing profession, the ups and downs of it all, have now disappeared because Peter has hit the jackpot. His reputation as a fisherman would spread throughout all of the land. Everyone would tell stories about this miraculous catch that Peter just experienced. This was the best day ever of his professional life. And yet, what does the passage say? They left everything and followed him. You see, Peter left it all because he saw more value in following Jesus than anything that would be left on the beach. The abundant life that was being offered to him in Jesus far outweighed the abundance that was simply left on the shore that day. You see, Peter wasn't captured by the miracle itself. Instead, his heart was captured by the miracle worker. And this miracle worker now would be the one who would define the rest of Peter's life. From now on, you will be catching men. Now, not everybody followed Jesus Christ with such abandon that Peter demonstrates here. In fact, later, we read about a a, a young man who had become very successful, had become very rich in his life, who had risen to a place of cultural prominence, and when he was offered the love of a Savior, he instead chose to pursue his wealth. But not Peter, not Peter, Because in faith, he recognized that what Jesus offered to him in this moment was more valuable than anything else that this world could offer. And so he abandoned everything to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that decision not only affected Peter's earthly life, but it affected his eternity as well. So in many ways, Peter shows us what it means to follow Jesus. We cast out our nets. In faith, we trust in the word of God and the authority of Jesus. We bow before Jesus. In faith, we come to terms with who he is and who we truly are. And then finally, we leave all 
to follow him in faith, recognizing that what Jesus offers is more valuable than anything else in this world. And when we do, our lives will never be the same. Let's pray.